0: This is one of the first movies that I've been to in a while with other Mm. people, and that always stresses me out also, um, especially when they have the tickets, which is just a bad idea. So uh, the guy I was going with was late, and I was just sitting there, and I knew there was going to be an Oppenheimer trailer and a Barbie trailer before it. And I was like, I want to see those right. trailers. <laughs> so he ended up texting me the tickets, so I got in and, and got to see them. But it was, uh, it was <laughs> a stressful would have situation. Been stressful so, if you're like yeah, really yeah.
1: excited about a trailer. It's
0: like, this is the one time I want to be here for the trailers. <laughs> right. Please let me into the theater.
1: <laughs> welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on.
0: Want to hear something neat?
1: It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, let's buckle up. Let's do this. Hold
0: on to your butts.
1: Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy it. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Feeling It. Each week on this show, we like to share what pieces of pop culture we're really feeling. Whatever show, movie, song, or tech, we just can't get out of our heads. In addition to those picks, this week we'll be discussing the long-awaited Avatar sequel, Avatar The Way of Water avatar came out in 2009 and 13 years later we are finally getting this sequel so before we get started with talking about all the things that we're feeling this week um i'd like for us to introduce ourselves and when we do let's answer the question what 2010 movie should get a sequel next year
0: i'm lucas Wright from chicago and i think for me the obvious answer is ben affleck's the Town. Um, uh, Boston heist movie, we need to follow up on where this guy is. <laughs> if you haven't seen The Town, it is absolutely amazing, and it 100% deserves a sequel. I think my, I'm going to sneak in a second answer here, because in reality, the there's a romance movie, Never Let Me Go, um, starring Felicity Jones, and what is his Wait name? Wait a minute.
1: I think you're- about Never Let, are Let you Me thinking Go? thinking about the Andrew Garfield, Carey Mulligan movie called Never Let Me Go?
0: Oh, you're- you're right. You're right. That's never Me go. What's the What's the Felicity Jones one? I don't know. She's British. He's American. They can't make it work. He like dates, crazy. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Like no. crazy. Okay. That's well, right. The
1: tragedy of that, is that.
0: It's not. It's not 2010. Well,
1: is it? one, it's 2011. Two, Anton Yelchin is no longer with us. <laughs>
0: Yelchin. Oh no! I forgot it was. <laughs>
1: so there's a lot of reasons why a sequel for that would be really so many
0: reasons all right it's the town (laughs) the town's my answer
1: (laughs) you know i saw a clip of the town on tiktok the other day and it made me realize i still haven't seen the town
0: wait you haven't seen the town
1: no isn't that wild i need to
0: oh my gosh it's definitely one like the best heist movie in the last like 15 years for sure
1: yeah and like we're having a renaissance. like
0: yeah yeah it's happening let's get a
1: sequel i think that's a very respectable answer um I, too, have two answers to this question. There's an obvious answer, and then there's one that I just like. But the one that I really want is um, I think we should have a sequel to Salt, the Angelina Jolie
0: Russian sleeper
1: operative, um, you know, action film. Mm -hmm. That movie was so good, and it set itself up for a sequel that never came I would love to see Angelina Jolie star in another action movie, and that's just like great popcorn entertainment. Um, Yeah. So, Salt Salt is the kind of thing that it's like, yeah, let's do a sequel thirteen years later. Who cares, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But the obvious answer is The Social Network to me. Um, It's the best movie of maybe the (laughs) you know millennium, definitely of two thousand ten. And Facebook has only become even more relevant since it came out. Um, I think it would be fascinating to have Jesse Eisenberg reprise his role as Mark Zuckerberg in um, a metaverse world, you know?
0: Yeah, 100%. I do want to fact check you real quick. I don't know if you've seen the Sight and Sound list, but um, obviously Portrait of Lady on Fire is the best movie oh, of the
1: millennium. But my yeah. apologies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I know there's so yes, much drama yeah. <laughs> surrounding that. But I think The Social um, Network
0: is a great choice, though. I mean, it's kind of, it's definitely, like, the obvious. Like, if we're going to make a sequel, this is what it needs to be culturally.
1: Right. <laughs> I, but I do, I do stand by Salt being probably a, a more appropriate mm-hmm. movie to make a sequel for. Um, yeah, Or at least definitely. a more fun and one. more fun, less yeah.
0: depressing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. Um, we're going to talk more about Avatar and... It's 13-Year Gap, I'm sure, much more later in this episode. But before we do that, I want to know, Lucas, um, we haven't recorded in a bit. We've taken a little bit of a break yes. because of the crazy holiday season. Um, since we last recorded, what have you been feeling?
0: Uh, so many things. So I, <laughs> I've i watched so much, um, but I, I want to highlight some things that I feel like are great uh, Christmas watches um, and that I have – absolutely absolutely loved so these are three things that i i love but i think would be fun to watch with the family now when i say family i mostly mean watch with dad because these are very much <laughs> <at some> dad
1: <laughs> so, corner.
0: yes it's true uh the first one is um a mini series called the english it is stars emily blunt um as an english woman who um comes over to the American West uh, – it's a Western, <laughs> surprise uh, – to hunt down the man responsible for the death of her child. Um, and she pairs up with a member of the Pawnee Nation um, who has been living as a um, as, uh, an army scout, basically. Um, and they end up realizing that they have a very similar path uh, and kind of come together here. It is a very, very, very good look at um, privilege and – the sadness and brutality of the west um and it's i think it's one of the only things that like really differentiates how weird the west was in comparison to literally how the rest of the world was functioning so like looking at england in the in the 1800s and like the refined nature of it and even like the east coast (laughs) um versus the the gross gritty dirty wild west um I think it's just an interesting look. Uh, this show comes from Hugo Blick, um, who uh, I think is the king of miniseries. Miniseries? Is the king of the miniseries? Um, he did The Honorable Woman in 2014 and Black Earth Rising, uh, I think, in 2018. So he can do absolutely no wrong in my book. Um, but I love this show. I think it is going to be a show that mostly just dads like. Um, but it is <laughs> very good. But if you if you like... Uh, mini series. I think Hugo, other Hugo Blick's other series, The Honorable Woman Black Earth Rising, um, are probably more pure Alley Sand
1: well, I cannot wait to watch or to tell my dad to watch the English. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're dead on that this is something that like my dad in particular would go crazy for. Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad to know about no. it.
0: Uh, it is available on Amazon Prime and it is only six episodes, so it's oh, not a crazy. Great. Um, a crazy long situation. Um, another miniseries that I'm very into at the moment, which I was very surprised to like, um, is Andor on Disney Plus. This is the prequel series for Cassian Andor, uh, which is Diego Luna's character uh, from Rogue One. Um, and that's really all I knew, kind of going into it. And I heard so many good things that I was like, finally, like, okay, I, I have to watch it. I have not really been into most of the Star Wars things what? recently.
1: Have you watched any of the other Star Wars series?
0: I watched The Mandalorian.
1: Okay. But all of it? And that is yeah. it. Yes.
0: All two okay. seasons. And that's really it. <laughs> um, have not really been interested in, in any of the other ones. Uh, but heard a lot of great things about this one. Decided to just, I'll i'll dive in and check it out. And it is one of my favorite TV shows of the year, for sure. I love Tony Gilroy, um, who, if you don't know, is behind um, Michael Clayton and Nightcrawler um, and all of the Bourne movies. He, what he does with this Andor series is really gets at the heart of the rebellion. And so there are no, uh, there are no Jedi. There's no lightsabers. anything like that. This is just a people story uh, about what it takes to actually fight oppression and fight fascism. And I think it is one of the greatest character studies that I've seen in a long time. And to have it be inside of the Star Wars universe is truly incredible to me. So very exciting.
1: This, Andor, is on my list. I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. And um, I, I liked Rogue One a lot. Um, I think I've been hesitant to dive into the Star Wars TV shows. I haven't seen The Mandalorian. I haven't. (laughs) um, I've seen every Star Wars movie and just not a single episode of TV. Um, And so I think my only hesitation with Andor is like, am I going to become a person that watches the TV shows? You know, like, am I going to start committing my time to that? Um, but yeah. I.
0: The answer is you don't have to be <laughs> because this is not connected in any way to literally anything sure. else. I mean, obviously it's a prequel to Rogue One, but um, but that's it. And it is a 24 episode miniseries um, over two seasons. So the first season gotcha. is out now, and then it will end in 2024 with the second season.
1: And that's have it. Have you rewatched Rogue One since it la- since it came out?
0: I have not. But yeah, I, I I remember liking it, but it it felt a little inconsequential mm-hmm. at the time, and I'm very curious to see how I'd feel about it. Yeah, now. <laughs>
1: it'll be really wild to watch it after once this two season arc yeah. ends. Yeah,
0: I think already retroactively, it has this the show has um, taken away some of my <laughs> the things that mm-hmm. I didn't like about uh, Rogue One, just because of I felt Rogue One was pretty right. rushed. I, I really enjoyed it, but it's just quickly kind of goes through some things that I think this actually gives a little more time to. And so you get to see some more of that development um, for certain characters. So
1: really nice. Very good.
0: Uh, Last but not least, the wonder, which is on Netflix. Uh, This is set in Ireland in the late 1800s. And this follows a, a nurse played by Florence Pugh, Um, who goes to a a small town, who is brought over from England to go to a small town um, to basically observe with a a nun. They're on trading shifts. um, A girl who miraculously is alive uh, because she has stopped eating. Um, And they're basically trying to figure out, is this her surviving um, a a miracle, a spiritual thing, um, or is there something, you know, more nefarious at work? Um, and so it's, it's a really good look, I think, at the clash between science and religion, but also the clash between, um, women and men in this kind of environment. So obviously a nun and a nurse, um, as some of the only, uh, women roles with any kind of power and what that does to, uh, men in power <laughs> and so I, I i think it's a it's a very good movie that also looks at the i think the artifice of of telling a story and what does that actually look like um i liked it a lot i don't think it's going to be for everybody but i do think it's something that everyone is gonna 100 percent appreciate for his performance so i'm on the flow um, train w-
1: so when i looked up this movie because i i was really unfamiliar mm-hmm. with it um it's describing itself as a psychological thriller. Does that sound accurate to you?
0: Um, I no, it does not. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I I think it is a tense movie. Um, I think there's a lot of psychological stuff going on with just I mean this just the the whole idea of you know science and religion and you know is this a miracle? Um, what's uh, there's another movie I feel like that we watched. That that had very much, like, is this a miracle vibe? Mm. Or is it the um, silence? Martin Scorsese's silence? Um, um,
1: I don't remember there being any kind of miracle thing in there.
0: Is there not a miracle thing? That is one that's, like, very much, like, digging into sure. religion, though. But I think it has some of those vibes of, like... This is tense. This is um, someone questioning, like, right. those kinds of things. I don't think this is a a, a thriller in, <laughs> okay. in, in any way. Um, it's But it is, I guess, psychological. <laughs> because <laughs>
1: so. I just kind of briefly saw, like, Florence Pugh, a psychological thriller. I was like, oh, she's redoing, like, Her Lady Macbeth, like... Um, yeah, th- yeah, the way you describe this movie, no. I'm much more interested.
0: Yeah, I think you did. You didn't like Lady Macbeth, right?
1: I didn't. Yeah. No.
0: Um, this is. I'm pretty sure this is one of the writers of Lady Macbeth. Interesting. Um, but this is based on a book, okay. um, an Emma Donoghue book, who also wrote Room. Um.
1: The Brie the, Larson,
0: which got turned into the Brie Br- Larson movie, but she wrote the book for both of these. Oh, interesting! Um, I think this, these, like this is, I think Room is a better movie, but I think this is a more interesting story mm. to me. Um, but I, I, I think you would like this.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll need to check it out. Yeah. Um and that is on streaming on Netflix.
0: Streaming on Netflix, yes, very handy. All these are streaming.
1: Awesome. Well, that's you're right. That is like a perfect little like watch list for uh, your holiday yep. break. Um. Well, I am feeling things totally, completely different from you, Lucas. These are not things yes. that I would recommend. <laughs> well, some of them I would recommend as fun Christmas watches, but definitely none of them are dad picks in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um. First, I'll start by saying that. I loved this newest season of The White Lotus. It's finally complete. It's so good. So I feel like maybe we can chat about it a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. It was so fun, one, to have this show come back, a show that was like this surprise hit, the first season. And two, to have a Sunday night show, to be a part of that conversation again, was something that I didn't realize how much I was missing that. Um, yeah. I never have been a part of, well, I, I usually haven't been a part of like the Game of Thrones, weekly chatter, um, Succession, I think is the only thing in recent years that has brought me into that conversation. Um, and now mm-hmm. the White Lotus has, and it's, it's such, it's so delightful to go on yeah. Twitter, to text your friends, um, and to, to, go- to, you know, gossip about what happened in the latest episode. Um. What was your? Do you, I mean, you watched the whole White Lettuce season, correct?
0: Yeah, I th- I think for me also it was just very refreshing to have a um a second series that felt like it held up. I feel yeah. like we've gotten so many of those like mini series that does well and it gets turned into uh a, you know let's let's do a second season. The second season's like oh well okay that 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 was not as culturally relevant as we sure. wanted it to be. <laughs> so, but this one definitely and held up. I
1: think that is you know because it is. Almost an entirely new cast of characters. We're not we're not feeling like we're ringing dry the characters from the first season miniseries. Yeah. We're it's all new stories. It's the only thing that's keeping this to, you know tied to the first season is the brand of the White Lotus and the the themes that Mike White is clearly so interested in exploring. I I loved pretty much every plot line on the show this season. My favorite one, though, was the two couples vacationing together. The Aubrey Plaza, you know, plot line, essentially. Um, And my favorite part of White Lotus season one was the couple on their honeymoon. Um, I just love watching couples... Um, figure out like what their relationship is going to be, and like be in a state of crisis mm-hmm. about that, you know. And I think um,
0: I think vacation vibe is a great place to explore that, just because people are outside of their normal routines, um, they don't have a lot to do, and so you have this kind of time to dig into your relationship a little bit more. And so I think the White Lotus is a, is a great show to be able to explore that. a little Yeah,
1: bit. and I, I loved how this season, how the first season, we looked at a couple. Um, kind of in isolation for the first time, reckoning with, Mm -hmm. like, who are we as a couple? Um, You know, they've left their lives, and now they're finally alone after this, you know, big wedding. And and they're like, oh, now we have to figure out, like, what we're going to be like as a couple. Um, And in this season, it's a couple reckoning – with, with who they are by comparing themselves to a different couple, by com- by two couples interacting with each other and realizing like, wow, this is how one relationship functions in the world. Our relationship doesn't function that way. Should it? Should it not? Are we better than them? Are they better than us? Um, I-, I loved all the interplay. I loved... The the MVP of the show, for me, is um, Megan Fahey, who plays Daphne. Um, yeah. Sh- her performance is just... She's a star. You can just tell that she is a star from the season. Um, I love that she created a character with Mike White that is... At the very first moment like we interact with her, you think, Oh, she's going to be the obnoxious one that has the funny lines. That we ridicule. And then there is so... I have so much compassion for a character that was set up for so much ridicule. Um, I I love that twist of the show.
0: Yeah, I I 100% agree. I think also, like, just the amount of acting she gets to do early in the, in the show versus later in the show. Like she just really gets to turn it on (laughs) all the way. Um, She's, she's great. I also just love, like you said, that the relationship dynamic there, usually when you see like, two couples compared against each other. There's like the functional couple and the dysfunctional couple and the dysfunctional couple, or the, the functional couple has to learn that they're, you know, that, uh, there are things they can learn from the dysfunctional couple, you
1: know? yeah,
0: Exactly. Exactly. Stuff like that. But this is truly, um, two dysfunctional couples (laughs) and kind of, and not, not really like, uh, there's, there's not like a, a moral learning here at the end. It's just like, how do we engage? How do we, uh, what are the different aspects? How do we survive life basically what are our coping mechanisms um it's just such an interesting i think unique show um and i can't wait for season three
1: yeah me too um there's my my hope was that season three was gonna be was gonna take place at some sort of ski resort um maybe like the swiss alps you know
0: yeah we we need need a cold right now
1: but the rumor on the street is that it's going to take place in asia um,
0: Which I mean, there's some great Japanese ski resorts. Oh, that's, that that's a do, great so. point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: um, Probably sure. not, but <laughs> um, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I either will be great. Um, I just the idea of everyone in little ski bunny outfits, you know, is really appealing yeah. to me. Um, Definitely. Well, what, my next thing that I'm feeling, if you are also interested in the, the, the couple plot line on The White Lotus, then I think you will really love the, this other show that I've become obsessed with, which is Fleischman is in Trouble. Um, this is a show that is based on a best-selling novel by the same name. It is about a middle-aged divorced dad who... Um, played by
0: Jesse Eisenberg. Which the fact that we are at the time in life where Jesse Eisenberg can play a middle-aged divorced dad is troubling. Let me tell you, you. Me. I have a lot of
1: thoughts about that. Um, but he plays a middle-aged <laughs> divorced dad who, at the very very beginning of the story, his um, ex-wife, you know, surprises him by dropping the kids off at his apartment. She says she's leaving for a yoga retreat, but then she never comes back, and he has to deal with taking care of his kids full time. And reckoning with, um, you know, the fallout of his marriage and what his, you know, life has become in the wreckage of his marriage. Um, This show, I had, I knew of the book and I I had started the book and never finished it. Um, Not necessarily because the book was bad, but just, you know, one of those things that happens. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'd heard that the show was good. I knew it starred Jesse Eisenberg, who I've always been a big fan of. Um, when I finally sat down to watch it, I couldn't believe how much I loved this show. Um, what makes this show so good, in addition to being like about a really meaty subject, I do love a show that is just about like how do we as- exist as adults, and how do we like have relationships? Like that is my bread and butter. <laughs> Um it's about a topic I love. It is so incredibly well written. But what really makes this show stand out is that it is um starring a powerhouse for a group of four actors. Um we have Jesse Eisenberg as the main character and I think Jesse Eisenberg has always been like one of the best actors of this his generation. Um, and he really is proving himself, I believe in this show. Um, then, you know, supporting him, we have Claire Danes playing his ex wife. We have Adam Brody playing one of his closest friends. Um, and then we have Lizzie Kaplan who is also playing one of his closest friends, but she is also the somewhat omnipresent narrator of the entire series. Um, I think people have a lot of, you know, go back and forth on whether they like narration, voiceover. Um, in this series, it is a godsend. Lizzie Kaplan's narration of Jesse Eisenberg, his character's name is Toby Fleischman, of Toby Fleischman's inner thoughts is what makes this show so incredibly special. Um, and not only to have that narration as, like, again, like an omnipresent. Um, you know, voice. But then to tie it to an actual character in the show is something that I haven't seen done in a while. Um, I, I know it's been done before, but it's not something that is done very frequently. And I love what it adds to the story. Um, this is a show about midlife crisis, ultimately. It is about mm-hmm. being in your early 40s and wondering, how did I get here? How did I end up in this stage in my career with these kids in this type of relationship, not in the kind of relationship I envisioned for myself. Um, I just turned 34 and I, you know, I I feel like it's that time of my life is really coming for me. And there are, there are parts of, you know, a midlife (laughs) crisis that I relate to now um, and other parts that I don't, but that I feel is like right on the horizon And watching this has been very therapeutic. Um, I also think that this show is making really, really great choices about, like, these are characters, they're characters that you want to like, but they are not necessarily always likable. Um, They are, they're all, you know, very privileged, rich New Yorkers. Um, and that privilege definitely shows and leaks out even into the characters that you're rooting for. Um, and so it's a criticism of that. It is an examination of it. I'm obsessed with this show. Have you given this show any time?
0: I have not. I saw the trailer and I had, I hadn't read the book or really even heard of it, but watching the trailer, I was like, so this is just about a... A, a rich middle-aged dude who is just like it's hard being single. I'm not yeah. interested in that, but I've heard the show is so much more than that. So I I, I will probably I give think it a you would
1: really like it. I think that when I heard, first heard of the book, um, I think when I went into this book going into it, I thought it was going to be like oh, middle-aged dude has to deal with like actually having to raise his kids. You know what I mean? Right. And like yeah, we yeah. get to watch like oh, see this is what it's like when you're a full-time parent. Um, the show is so much more than that. Um, it is, there is a little bit of that. Definitely. Um, watching. So uh, a man who didn't, who is kind of enjoying like, oh, I'm finally getting to be single and and I'm enjoying all these new like adventures and experiences. And now all of a sudden my life is in crisis again. I have to take care of my kids full time. That is a part of the story. But the story is so much more rich and nuanced than just that. Um, Claire Danes is an incredible is doing this incredible portrayal of an ex wife that, you know, I think I go into any kind of story like this wanting to say like wanting to not villainize the ex wife, you know, like if if the main yeah. character is the ex husband. I want to say, like, let's look at this from the wife's perspective. And Claire Danes does a great job of making an ex-wife that is not a true villain, but, like, you don't necessarily want to root for either, you know? And mm-hmm. that's yeah. actually, I think, really, really hard to do. And she does it so perfectly. Um, another thing that's really fascinating about this show that you mentioned is, yeah, Jesse Eisenberg is like playing middle age. Let's so the actor Jesse Eisenberg. Let me see how old he is. Um, he thirty. That's what is I think he guess. is. He yeah, he's thirty nine. Um, I think he they're the characters. I think they're playing are forty one. Um, and one, it's interesting to play, to see Jesse Eisenberg play fatherhood. He I, I've never seen him play a father before. He's incredible at it. Um, the fatherhood scenes in this show I think are very, very special. Um, he he does it so naturally. Um, what is... This isn't a critique because I think it's intentional, but what doesn't come across as natural and what is a little jarring is to see Jesse Eisenberg like, as a sexual figure because his character does have a lot of sex. He's like a newly single man. Um... And that's another thing that I hadn't seen before with Jesse Eisenberg. I've seen him play characters that are charming or sexy um, or romantic, but never, like, actually having sex on camera. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm reckoning with that is interesting. Um, Mostly because, like... I think that Jesse Eisenberg in a different role could play someone who has sex and it doesn't seem awkward, but this he's playing a character who is like being reintroduced into the sexual landscape, you know? So there's, there's some intentional awkwardness like built into that. Um, yeah, but that's something that I, I I didn't realize that I would have to reckon with. And and I certainly am. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I really recommend this show to anyone who loves like, draw like an actual drama about family and relationships.
0: Nice. I'll definitely check it out. Oh,
1: one last thing I want to say about it is that one thing that's really fascinating is this show is set in the summer of 2016. Um and so it's right before the um Trump Hillary like election. Um and Part of the reason of of that is because that's when the book was set, but also because the main character Toby Fleischman is a doctor, and so they realized like we couldn't set it any earlier. We we had it had to be before the pandemic because that was him being a doctor. It would change his entire life. Like it would that would take over the story. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's fascinating to watch. Vulture did a really cool piece about the set design and how you design the city to look like something very recent and how that's almost harder than doing like a period piece from like the 1800s. Like it is really hard to find clothes and to shoot New York to look like a few years earlier. Um and so that's something I've been paying attention to and I think it's very cool and interesting for people who care about stuff like that. Yeah. Um last thing that I'm feeling is um a documentary called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Um, it is one of the only documentaries I've seen this year. I've I've been really slow to watch you know, movies in general, but especially documentaries. Um, but this is one that seemed really special. It is um, a documentary about Nan Golden, um, who is a famous photographer. Um, and it is about her life and her career and her and her art, but then it is simultaneously also about her activism uh, against the Sackler family, which is the pharmaceutical dynasty that um, is responsible for the opioid epidemic in our country and across the world um and so it is about her activism fighting against this incredibly powerful family that is very influential in the art and museum world, a world that she is a part of as an artist and a photographer. Um, and so the film kind of goes back and forth between her activism and her, the, the group that she's formed um, creating these protest movements at museums, um, protesting the Sackler family, um, as well mm-hmm. as again, just telling her life story, which is, I would never heard of Nan Golden before seeing this documentary and her life story is so fascinating and beautiful. Um, she, her career was developed in the seventies and the eighties and the nineties as, um, being a part of these queer movements, a part of the AIDS, um, activist movement, um, being on the outskirts of, you know New York City and um, just photographing, yeah, the the marginalized in really really beautiful, sexual, um, vibrant ways. Um, I I loved this documentary so much. It is when you when I describe what it's about, it sounds like pretty dark and heavy, and it, it is yeah. about a dark and heavy subject matter. But I don't think the movie is as heavy as it as the the byline sounds. Um, this is because so much of this film is about her career and about a lot of it is she's a photographer. so a lot of it is like interviews and narration over slides of her of her work, her photographs and her photographs have so much beauty and life in them um, that it really. Um, makes it easy to take in this dark material you know what I mean Um, yeah and it's powerful powerful stories powerful stories about overcoming addiction about community about activism Um, I really recommend this movie it's in some theaters now it's it's at my like local independent theater Um, if it's playing at a theater near you I I think you should watch this um, before you make your end of the year list. It's it's really really powerful.
0: All right, yeah, I'll do it.
1: Um, So that is all the beauty and the bloodshed. Um, Those are all the things I have been feeling in the the last month since we recorded. (laughs) Um, Are you ready for us to get into Avatar: The Way of Water? Let's do it. fresh um back uh, back 13 years ago um how did you feel about the first avatar movie
0: i thought it was fine yeah <laughs> I, I i really enjoyed the visuals i thought it was like um stunning it was one of the first movies that i had seen in 3d
1: mm. um
0: I think, and actually, like... Good 3D. Thought it, thought it mattered, yeah. you know? I was like, oh, this is actually, like, something that's watchable in 3D. I thought it, I thought it was great. I've never been a 3D fan, um, even, ever, even since. Um, I've never felt the need for 3D, but that was a movie that I was just like, oh, wow, this is cool, you know? Um, that the story, like, even... At the time, watching it, I was like, this feels pretty basic from a story perspective, but it was more about just the action cinematography and the visuals. Um, I th- I was just so impressed by that. So as like a technical achievement um, as a fun thrill. Um, I really enjoyed Avatar, but it was never something that I was like, I would like to come back to it. So I... Rewatched it recently, but I hadn't seen it since the one time in 2000. How did you feel about it on your rewatch? Uh, Is this a terrible movie? Um, (laughs) Just because, like, the dialogue is just awful. It's atrocious. Um, And the story is just so basic. Um, But by the end, it gets you. It just, like, he's such a good action cinematography, like, storytelling. Like, that kind of storytelling. James Cameron is so good at um, that... It just really by the end you're like, this is a dumb movie that really just mm. got me. It made it made me feel like this few fu- and we'll talk about this more with this new movie. <laughs> it felt very fast and furious to me. Of like, I'm not here for any kind of, you know, ridiculously deep storytelling. I'm here for the emotional bonds that this movie sure. is gonna give me. And I think the avat the Avatar series like definitely um falls into that category for me.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Um when I first saw Avatar back in 2010, 2010 was kind of the year I like really started becoming a cinephile. Like, I was like, okay, I love okay. movies and I'm gonna see every new major movie that comes out. Um, I'm gonna see like the movies that all the critics are saying I should see. Um, and so I remember when Avatar was coming out, um, no, wait, no, that's not 2010, 2010, okay. I got my years mixed up.
0: The 2010 race. right, right,
1: right, race, which exactly. Was
0: 2009, exactly. Movies. Thank you. Yeah. 29,
1: 29, 20 2009. God, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> we
0: do. This is where we make that right. switch, though. It goes from 2009 yes, to yes. 2010. Um, so, so
1: 2009. So anyway, I remember. Of course, the big Oscar buzz was Avatar versus the Hurt Locker, right? Mm-hmm. The indie yeah. movie versus the blockbuster. And yeah. I th- was becoming, I was at an age where, like, I'm, of course, rooting for the indie movie, you know? Like, I'm a cool yeah. indie yeah. kid. Like, I want the yeah. indie movie to win. I remember seeing The Hurt Locker, liking it a lot, rooting for it. And then I remember thinking, like, but it was kind of, like, right before the Oscars, too. Like, oh, fine, the Oscars are mm. about to happen, so i got to go see Avatar, you know? And I'd been putting it off, kind of rolling my eyes at it. And then I went to go see Avatar, maybe, like, a night before the Oscars um, <laughs> kind of thinking like, let's get this out of the way. And I do while watching it, I remember thinking like, this is just Pocahontas. Like I, I'm so yes, annoyed yes. that this movie is just Pocahontas. Um, and by the end of the movie, I was like, converted I, I was so in <laughs> awe i was like this movie needs to win best picture this is the most amazing thing i've ever seen i i still knew that the story was like again like you said very basic but i was mm-hmm. so transported and like in awe of the world the world building and the visuals that i didn't care i was like i i understand yeah. what a, a a feat this is And, like, this is how movies should make us feel. And, you know, I I was in awe of it. I loved it. And then when The Hurt Locker ended up winning Best Picture, I was like, oh, good for it. Like, I'm actually glad (laughs) I was a complete flip-flopper. And so I have not revisited Avatar since that theater screening. Like, I haven't watched it at home. I haven't watched it once in 13 years since. Um, Yeah. And so leading up to this, I I probably should have watched it before. I couldn't find the time to do that. Instead, I watched (laughs) like a five minute YouTube recap.
0: Oh my gosh. Just to like (laughs) kind of
1: get myself, get my bearings. Um, I read the Wikipedia summary, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I went into this, uh, again, expecting kind of more of the same. Like I want to be transported. I want to be wowed. But I don't have high expectations for, like you said, story or script. Um, yeah. Ultimately, Lucas, how did you feel about Avatar The Way of Water?
0: Yeah, well, I wasn't excited about it going into it. So I, like, hadn't watched a trailer yeah, yeah. for it. I knew nothing nothing about this movie, and it wasn't because I was avoiding it. It was just because it wasn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, you know, life, you know? So... I went into it knowing nothing, which was very fun. Um, I think for me, the easiest way to talk about this is to talk about (laughs) James Cameron as a whole. And I think what what I realized is he's a very good filmmaker who is not cool. And I think the Avatar movies are not cool movies, but they are done really well. And so I think what we get from blockbuster cinema is cool all the time. That's what everyone is aiming for constantly. Um, and so I think for me going into this, I was like, why do I dislike these movies so much? When it when like they work for me, you know? Um, and I think it comes down to as I was watching this, it, it's just so uncool. <laughs> Everything about this movie is very, very just like hard on your sleeve and nerdy. Yeah. Um and 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 so like as I was watching it I was like the storytelling of this again we're we're back to the exact same thing there's a lot of the basic beats um I don't feel like he's introducing a ton of new stuff um thematically but the visuals again the world building that he does here is truly incredible um I also didn't know how long this movie is. This movie is, like, in three hours and 15 minutes, so um, did not know what I was signing myself up for going to, like, an 8.30 yeah. screening of this movie. <laughs> um, but I think you need this amount of time to tell this kind of story um, when most of what you're interested in is the world building of it. Um, so I, I don't have a lot more to say to that before we can get into spoilers, but I, I think this looks incredible. I think it is, um, an improvement on the first movie, um, and yet I didn't love it.
1: Yeah, so I, I think I feel kind of similarly, um, I, I think I'm just emotionally confused by my reaction to this movie because similar to the first, I was Fully transported in awe of these visuals. I love the experience of seeing an Avatar movie in theater. In a theater. I can't wait to do it again. You know? Um, And yet, I find so many of the the story choices in this movie
0: (laughs) so baffling that... yes,
1: One... There's like there's the idea that, like, okay, that was a baffling story choice. But then it's the aftermath of – it's so baffling that as I'm watching the rest of the movie, I can't stop thinking about it. And, like, all mm. I thought about <laughs> for most of this movie was, like, why did they choose to do this? Or, like, what why – are, why are the characters doing this? What is the whole purpose of this? Um, and so – It's sometimes I'm like, good on you, James, for being a weirdo who like doesn't give a shit and like Mm -hmm. make these crazy weird choices. And then another part of me is like, God, you do this and I'm so distracted by it that I can't focus on like the beautiful water and the fish and you know yeah
0: yeah um i think i think one of those choices for me is just the way that the avatar look or the the, the navi oh, look i i kept i kept thinking about this in this movie specifically i don't know why this didn't bother me in the first movie but in this movie I'm like these guys look so weird i don't like them
1: <laughs> i into like, how they look um yeah the
0: big weird tall lanky yeah. cats
1: well it's like lanky cats and then like muscly fish
0: yeah yeah, yeah yeah it's um, weird don't like it th- yeah makes me uncomfortable
1: there's there's, <laughs> no, there's a lot of weird in this movie um, and i i very much agree with you it is not cool um there's yeah. a lot of dialogue that i think part of my issue with this movie is that there are characters that i think in the world of avatar are supposed to be cool that yes oof, yes
0: are a hundred percent
1: really not, not cool <laughs> Oh um, yeah. so that that's that's a tough watch. Um yeah, I just it, it is such an interesting feeling to think a movie is is bad in so many ways and yet be so excited for the next one.
0: Yeah. I mean I got to like the, the third act of this movie is extremely arresting yeah. and i'm just like such an exciting action scene like i almost want to call it a series cuz it's not even like an action right. scene it's just like wall to wall insanity incredible. that i was it's, it's it's truly incredible it's one of the best action pieces that i've seen maybe yeah. ever and yet i think the movie as a whole yeah. is bad <laughs> so it's a weird I dichotomy mean, I there i think it
1: ultimately just depends on what you value right like I will always yeah. value script over visuals like that. W- that will yeah. always be yeah.
0: story and character my value always come and, first. And here's the yeah. thing,
1: like character wise, I'm not even mad at this movie. I'm more mad at like dialogue and like plot choices than I am at like <laughs> the characters and like uh, the whole like story of this family trying to survive. I was very emotionally invested in, um, and I'm I'm invested in this story in broad strokes. It's when it gets mm-hmm. tight and, and, and focused is when I have trouble. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and James Cameron is an incredible visual storyteller. Not only creating mm-hmm. these in, just mind-blowing visual worlds that I want to live in, but like you said, like... Directing all of this action in a way that makes sense and keeps me engaged for three hours is is really you know impressive, and I I am so I love that he's able to do that. Um, Mostly, yeah. There's there's a lot of things I want to talk about in spoilers. Um, If you loved being transported visually to Pandora, you're gonna love it again. It's you know the technology's gotten better. Water is really cool. Um, I. And so,
0: I think that actually is a piece that I like realized partway through that I was like, oh, one of the reasons I don't like this movie is because I don't like it. Oh, water. interesting. <laughs> if you're not a water person, this movie uh, is going to, I think, hit a yeah, little bit different. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, I, I
1: like water more than forests, big time. So, oh, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hard disagree.
1: So, um, yeah so yeah that's another thing if you're a story person versus a visual person if you're a forest person (laughs) versus a water person um (laughs) it's all about your value system um yeah yeah are you ready for us to talk spoilers because i'm more than ready yeah let's let's dig into it
0: before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now crack and gas
1: spoilers remember you wanted this Um, here's first, here's a small disclaimer. I was late to my movie. Um, I don't know how much happened before I got in there, but it doesn't seem like much. Like I got (sighs) in when he was like, there was a bunch of voiceover about like, here are my kids. Oh my gosh! Yeah, here's how goes our on life yeah. has developed. You know,
0: he he does so much voiceover, so I I, I feel like it was all kind of unnecessary because it you all you got it all like it all kind of made sense throughout the sure. rest of the movie. Um, so I'm not, and a lot of it was like recapping, like even some shots right. from the old the previous. Movie. Here's <laughs> so
1: what I, It's like we know it happened. I, let's start with to me the two most baffling decisions, which I don't think were explained in that opening thing that I missed, but. Let's just Mm. double check. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. Was the existence of the spider character and the Kiri Sigourney Weaver character.
0: Okay, yes. So those were explained lightly. I think I
1: saw (laughs) their explanation. I just didn't know. It's just clearly not enough. So...
0: Yeah. So basically, there was a kid that couldn't get sent back in hypersleep whatever in the pods basically so they just had i got got that um my
1: thing is like
0: that was the whole explanation at the beginning (laughs) right
1: my my what's baffling though is that he was the villain's kid
0: so that was not nobody knew that until later in the movie so that there was nothing explained earlier i'm still
1: just baffled by the choice that like the villain quaritch in the first movie yeah who is like An elderly marine, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Somehow had a kid Mm -hmm. while he was on Pandora. Yep. I I just can't wrap my mind around that. Like, why you would make that as a story choice? I I obviously (laughs) get because later on we're gonna get a son for a son, and like there's you know there might be some sort of turn in him because his son, you know, the whole Darth Mm -hmm. Vader of it all, but. I just don't think that that's necessary at all.
0: I think I thought it was at the beginning of this movie. I was like, it is interesting having a human character who wants to be. I do. T- be. I think
1: that's interesting um, too.
0: Like, I I think that's an interesting dynamic. But the whole the son of the bad guy and the fact that the bad guy's back like yeah. I was not expecting that, and I was not happy no. about it at the beginning. <laughs> just Me like, either. oh my gosh, we're doing the exact same yeah. thing over and over again. Also, the Marines are just. Boring. Yeah. Like they're just dumb. Like that's another thing that I don't like about Jake Sully in this movie too. it's just he's a dumb, boring. Let me tell you, and <laughs> just a bad, bad Jake character. Jake Sully.
1: Sa- uh, it, Sam Worthington. Have we seen him in anything other than Avatar? Let's I
0: see. I mean yes, like back in the day. What is Sam around the Avatar time? He was in Clash of the Never Titans. Saw that. Um, also, also a very bad movie. Uh, he was in a his, his best performance. I think is when he plays just a normal Australian guy, and I think that's his sweet spot. Is don't try to be an Australian trying to play an American Marine trying to play. Yeah. like he's not. I don't think he's a layered enough actor to do something. Okay, like he's that.
1: Australian. Um, yes. that.
0: Yeah. Which is why he sounds like that. He does. Okay. That's
1: exactly <laughs> what I wanted to talk about. His yeah. voice is the most obnoxious American quote unquote voice I've ever heard. Yes. Yes. And it really takes me out of the movie. Like I get that he's supposed to be like, I, you know, a human American and the rest are they're, you know, na- Navi. Like I get that there's supposed to be a distinction there. But it's mm-hmm. so yeah. grating. His American yes. voice.
0: I I agree. I think he he has um. Well, what's it? I think Chris Hemsworth has a similar situation w- whenever he tries to do an American voice, which is rarely. He rarely tries to do an yeah. American voice, but when he does, it's this gross. Like feels, uh, kind of. I mean, it feels fake, but it also feels kind of just like. Ugh, what are you doing? Juicy why? Why? why, and, like, why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 So and every
1: time he spoke, I was like really taken out of the movie. Um, yes, in a way that like I wasn't with any of the other you know American human characters like that that were mm-hmm. in Navi. Yeah. You know, like when yeah, like yeah, um, yeah. So that was that was bothered that bothered me. Um, so we have Spider and him being like this random child of like the villain. Then we have Sigourney Weaver. A yes. woman in her 70s playing a teenager.
0: Yes. For what seems to be no absolute reason at all. And
1: her character is the daughter of Sigourney Weaver's character in the first movie.
0: Sigourney Weaver's avatar. Yeah. Somehow her avatar got pregnant before Sigourney Weaver yeah. died, and they kept that avatar in the tank as kind of like a just life support situation to have the baby and,
1: but they still have it in the tank
0: they still have it in the tank <laughs> which is a weird yeah a very weird
1: yeah. thing
0: um uh, you didn't have to have this voiced by sigourney weaver again this could have been a child actor who's the daughter sure. of sigourney <laughs> let's say
1: this is a baffling choice that i'm kind of on board with um whereas like the spider being the son of the villain the whole time, I was just like, what wait, why is he that again? Like how did that happen? <laughs> so Gordon Weaver voicing a teenager, I was kinda like, Wow, I can't believe they did this. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I'm this is a weirdo choice that I'm like, Good on you, James Cameron, for being a weirdo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean to me this is one of the choices that starts to tilt this movie into the bonkers yes. category. Yes i just like what is even happening right. here. <laughs> this is so out of yeah. left field. I I also by the end of the movie I didn't hate it, but at no point did I ever believe that this was a, a, a 14-year-old Very much girl, so. you know? Like, this isn't like
1: so Nick Kroll on Big Mouth like playing a kid right, and you right. like you eventually fall into it and believe it like no this is like yeah. a, a mature wise woman.
0: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so at at some point I and again, this isn't a spoiler for future movies. This is me just yeah. speculating. Is it actually just Sigourney Weaver's consciousness who got put into this kid? Mm-hmm. Like, is that what this is going to turn into? Um, we don't get answers like that here. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't understand the choice, I guess. I'm trying to rationalize it, which is a bad idea. You shouldn't try to rationalize your yeah. camera. Yeah. So <laughs>
1: um, another thing that kept, like, stressing me out was... Mm-hmm. About sp- a spider was I was very concerned. But
0: yeah, you you really have a hangup about about an old man um, no, having no, no. a child. This is,
1: well, this is not related to that, but this is more. <laughs> okay. The character of Spider was a constant source of stress for me. Yeah. Um, his, his plot I, mechanics. Yes, and like I I shouldn't have cared so. It's I feel. Like, weird about, like, my main focus being the one human white boy character in this movie. Yeah. And yet it was because of...
0: (laughs) Like, they gotta give you something to relate to.
1: It was because of the way they were treating him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, like, the question I kept having was, like, does this kid... Obviously, like, I know who his biological parents are, right? Does Hmm. this kid have actual parents? Like... Did anyone take the responsibility of being like, you are my son, I am raising you?
0: Yes. So that is probably something you missed at the beginning, is they said he was raised, again, one sentence, he was raised by the science dudes. Right.
1: (laughs) And so my stress was, so like, okay, you know, the Jake and Sam Worthington and Zoe Valdana, they adopt the Sigourney Weaver teenager.
0: Yes. um,
1: Like when she was born. So like she has parents and siblings. And then this spider kid, who is similarly like born rando on this island, you know, by mm. mysterious circumstances.
0: They're um, not mysterious. They're very, very clear.
1: Yeah, but like it's mysterious. <laughs> that, like, who is his mom? You know, like, I mean, I know like it is mysterious to us. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, yeah. Like this yeah, whole,
1: yeah. like, how, like this came out of nowhere is what I mean. Um, <laughs> yes. Is like, does he not get parents? You know? And. When he goes, when he is abducted, there, no one seems to be like, we got to get this kid back. Like, no one's concerned. No one is going to fight for him. Um,
0: yeah, he is. I, I think he is the character with the least amount of, like, real Characterization. I think he is what the plot needs him to be at any moment yeah.
1: in the movie. <laughs> I just kept being so. like, "Is no one, no one cares that this kid has been abducted?" Because, like, if it had been one <clears throat> of Jake Sully's kids that had been taken, there would yeah. have been a full yeah. war to get it back. Yeah,
0: the way that I, the way that I thought about it is like the, you know, the neighbor kid who's always at your house. Yeah. you know, like like your kids are like really close friends with them you you love them they're hanging out all the time but they're not your kids. So when he gets taken it's like we used to we we got to go. <laughs> so. I get
1: that. My thing is someone should have been like we got to like I oh, this is the kid uh, I love and we should...
0: For sure. Yeah. For sure. So that was just upsetting
1: yeah. me the whole time. Was just like, <laughs> no one loves this kid enough that they're like upset that he's been abducted. Um Yeah.
0: I think the I think Sigourney Weaver's character. Also, I'm not going to remember no, any of the names name. of these people. Yeah. So, Sigourney, Weaver, I'm going to call right. them by their actor names. But Sigourney Weaver's character is sad. But yeah, that's about it.
1: Yeah. Um. So that was a stressor. I I also was stressed about like <coughs> the spider character possibly being like wooed to the dark side the whole time. Um. Luckily, that did not happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um.
0: But I think that character, like, growth is weird because it shows him kind of enjoying watching, you know, his dad and the Marines learn how to fly. Like, all of this, like, weird stuff that he's going to just along for the yeah. ride for uh, feels like it's going to take you on some kind of arc that does not happen in the yeah. way that I, you know, that makes sense for a story like this. The so.
1: other thing that really, sh- like, I was so confusing was like why what the villain's purpose was um i get that the humans are here to try to like take over the planet okay that makes Mm -hmm. sense to me yep um
0: earth is dying they're here i I
1: don't (laughs) get so this new avatar version of the villain that died in the first movie his memories have been put into an avatar's body um yep I, I, I'm i unclear at what point did those memories stop. You know what I mean? Like, like...
0: It was like the last day. It was like they're about to go on that last okay. mission. Got it. So everything up until basically that last okay. fight and his death. So I
1: get the villain wanting revenge on Jake and Zoe Saldana. Sam Worthington and mm-hmm. Zoe Saldana. What I don't get is why... He had the full force of the military aiding him in his revenge plot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like
0: Yeah. So my understanding is he did not. So the way the way that I the <laughs> the way that this sounded to me is that at first he did. He was like, You have to go kill Jake Sully because they are the ones who are basically stopping our right. progress. Right.
1: He's leading all these like native people into like defeating us. Exactly. And yeah. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So go, go fight them. Kill Jake yeah. Sully. Jake Sully right. bounces. And so then the army is like, all right, we're good. And he, Korich is the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I, I remembered a character name. Yeah. Um, is basically like, I'm still gonna go kill him. And so he just takes his Marines. There is no support, which is why he has to team up with the whale hunters, which we'll, we'll get to. Um, to go find him but he
1: seems to have full control over that like enterprise the whale hunting you know like yes
0: yes he just shows up and takes over it's a very alpha thing it's not like i have the authority to it's i'm a i'm i'm me so i can just take over whatever i want now
1: that seems dumb um yeah it's (laughs) dumb
0: it is dumb Uh, i just
1: (laughs) kept being like they can't like this is revenge is not enough for how big of a scale this is, you know,
0: yeah, I mean he goes full yeah. rogue here, um yeah, it's wild,
1: um okay, w- were there any other th- were there, what other things do we need to like cover that were
0: yeah, a thing that did not make sense to me is the fact that this entire movie is in English now, <laughs> yeah <laughs> we got we we got a whole navi language was, in the so last I, I movie don't, i did
1: not even remember was the first movie like all subtitled
0: yes yes anytime they i mean for them i mean obviously jigsaw right. speaks english and so when he's speaking to the uh humans he's speaking english and then when he's he's learning the navi yeah. language so there's a lot like they only speak english when they're talking to him or okay the humans um in this we get a little flash at the beginning where he says the language is now so much a part of me it's almost like english and then they switch to english and so my question is does everybody speak english or are we just hearing english when they're all supposed to be speaking Navi? and that's that's what i think is happening it just feels dumb to me (laughs) i understand that you can't do almost an entire movie subtitled um when it's the biggest blockbuster, right. you know, of all time. Uh but they kind of did last time, so why not just lean yeah. into that? Um also the American like I I always hated the American language that got used <laughs>
1: in yes
0: in in the previous movie that was just like this is just dumb. And in here it just makes it so much worse. The fact that the word bro, bro is the most common Used word in this movie by these kids
1: bro. kills
0: me. Cause, bro, it oh, it hurts. A- another one so that really
1: much. bothered me was butthole. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: It's a. It's. It feel. It really feels like a seven year old man saying like, "What are the kids yes. saying these days?" And just writing that into the script. Like, it's so bad. The dialogue is absolutely yeah. terrible.
1: <laughs> I also like the. I don't know the the accent work. For the kids, like, I think the the accent work of, like, let's say Kate Winslet doing, like, you know, the same accent for this, you know, native character the whole time. Like, that, whatever. Okay, that's that choice. But for the kids, it was, like, this blend of Sam Worthington's American accent and Zoe Saldana's, you know, like, native accent. Yeah. It yeah. was hard to follow. Yeah,
0: It was not good. It was, not it was good. also hard I to like, also... tell the
1: kids apart because of the voice so, of acting.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, that was the thing at the beginning when I was like, they have four kids? Why do they have four yeah. kids? And not, not from like a you shouldn't have four kids situation, but from a storytelling right. perspective. It's like, why do you have four kids? This is it's too so many, many kids. <laughs> Plus, you have Spider. You have four kids and Spider to yeah. try and deal with. So, honestly, pretty early on, I was like, I mean... The, you have four kids, so at least one they of them can die. Needed,
1: they, <laughs> like, oh, they, honestly, they needed to get rid of that baby, the baby kid.
0: The baby, the baby useless, is useless in this movie. Like it makes and no just, sense.
1: Like, god, every time the baby would come along for something, I'm like, why are you bringing the baby along?
0: Don't bring the kid. Why? It's why a are baby. you bringing this child? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's not a baby. It's, <laughs> it's more like you know a little kid, but still.
0: I mean, but it, like. It, the feeling of it is that it's, yes. like, a six-year-old, right? Like, it's, like, this is, like, you don't... I know they're more, like, agile and, like, sure. movement-wise than a six-year-old, but, like, vibes yeah. are a six-year-old. So, what's yeah. going on here?
1: <laughs> don't take the kid so, out into the deep water, where the danger is yeah, yeah. really going to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. And as an anti-water person yeah. myself, at any time they were in the water, I was just like, there shouldn't be children here yeah. anyway. Like, this is just bad.
1: I, I read <laughs> so. the- ringer exit survey on avatar and someone yeah. had made a joke of like you know if the whole catchphrase is sully stick together these kids yeah. are not around their parents that much like
0: no <laughs> there's
1: not a lot of supervision yeah um, yeah so yeah so the kid yeah the kids jessel it should they shouldn't have had the baby kid it should have been mm-hmm. i think the two brothers the adopted daughter and the spider kid and then you kill the older brother like you did, and then, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. At what point did you know it was going to be the older brother who died?
1: Um, I drew, Not until he was shot. You know, like, yeah. Okay, I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't predict that.
0: For me, I think because there were so many kids, I was like, you gotta get rid of one of these. or right, Which yeah. one's it gonna be? So the whole movie, I'm just, like, looking out for clues as to, like, which one's gonna be. And it's the one that has no yeah. character at all. <laughs> like, the, like, once they start developing the... Because the two brothers are almost, like... I couldn't tell the difference right. between them. There was rebel um, and, and not rebel. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so once you're like, okay, so the rebels getting some character development, and this other one is just the older right. brother, I guess. It's like, I guess he, all right, he's gone. When so. he
1: did get shot, I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. why he doesn't have a character. Like that's why he's so boring. Yeah. It's because they're gonna kill him yeah. off.
0: I did not coming back to the accent yeah. stuff. I did not love Kate Winslet's uh, indigenous sure. accent <laughs> work. Yeah. It's just uncomfortable. Like it, I, I don't feel like it was like poorly done. It just like is an uncomfortable situation to be where you have all of the, like the white actors doing this like fake. And I get it. It's it's not an, it's not right. indigenous to America. It's not Native American, it's not
1: they uh, they're
0: they're yeah. they're aliens. They're different. It's not supposed but, but it just it feels uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> to watch. Well, pretty. especially when so. also they're like coded Pacific Islander yes. like this whole and so it's just this weird I don't know. I don't know. I and didn't you love do it. Do you
1: have Cliff Curtis playing her husband? Yes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Which
1: feels like a very intentional choice. Mhm. Um, I think another part of the Kate Winslet thing that was really distracting for me is that so much press has been around Kate Winslet like breaking this like um holding her breath underwater. Holding records. her breath. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, like, uh, just all the training she's done. And, like, it, it just made yeah. me really think, like, wow, Caitlyn going to be a big part of this movie. And, like, she's going to do something really no. <laughs> impressive that she had to hold her breath underwater for that long.
0: Yeah. And she's Not
1: barely in this movie. She doesn't do anything <clears> impressive. And... I don't understand. I, I, I'm assuming more is yeah. to come in sequels.
0: That's, that's like all of this like stuff talked about with this movie. I feel like they filmed two and three at the same time. So there's a lot more. This feels like a middle yeah. chapter as well, which is, I always hate. Yeah. Um, but so I, I'm sure lots of stuff is coming for a lot of these right. characters, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I definitely, it, I just
1: that. kept waiting for like Kate Winslet to show up and like, Have this amazing, badass moment that it never came.
0: Yeah. I did not expect that because I did not know she was in this movie. (laughs) But I was like, who is this white woman giving this accent? At the end, it's, oh, it's Kate Winslet. Cool. Also,
1: just to point out, both of the sons were white actors. Yes. Yeah. Which I kept wondering when it was being filmed. Like, who are these son actors? And then like, oh, they're white guys. I'm not, I have no idea who they are yeah um
0: and that that's something that i've heard is very interesting like james cameron basically when he cast all of the kids was basically like you guys don't have to do the press tour you guys don't have to mm, do anything but but act in this movie and then you're done which i really enjoy because i i do hate kids on the press tour um it just feels like an awful thing to do to a child so i i did like that they're not front and center in this movie as like stars they're just giving their performance
1: um the actress that did the voice for the, like, young, pretty, like, water, Navi girl that, like, it,
0: yeah.
1: son has a crush on, um, mm-hmm. she, I have seen in clips, I haven't watched, like, I haven't actually sat in and watched it, but I've seen clips of the new interview with a vampire.
0: Yes, um, yeah.
1: And she seems really great. Um, so yeah. So I was excited when I found out that she, that was her doing this role mm-hmm. um and that she'll yeah. probably you know continue to be in these movies
0: yep yep um <laughs> we'll we'll get the romance yeah, in the next movie yeah so
1: i think her character there uh, there's an avatar way of water like cover like a movie poster that i think she is featured on really Let's see yeah she's featured on the main poster yeah Interesting. the main poster okay. is jake sully um zoe saldana the rebel son and then the pretty girl.
0: Oh yeah. So much for Sully stick together.
1: Right. I know. Yeah. You think you put the Sigourney Weaver like daughter right. on there.
0: Looking at this poster real quick. Can we just talk about Jake Sully's hair? Every time he was on screen, I was oh. like that gross, like dreadlock situation that he's got yeah. going on is just, it's a, it feels like a, you know, a high poof.
1: <laughs> now. Okay. I, I didn't pay enough attention and I haven't seen the original movie in a long time. Is do do other Na'vi have dreadlocks, or only avatars have dreadlocks?
0: I mean, <clears throat> Because it seems so, like everyone
1: else has, like, these braids.
0: These braids, right, exactly. Um, everybody does braids, for the most part, um, from the other Avatar. From the original Avatar movie, almost everybody has braids. A, Jake Sully doesn't even have dreads. He's just got right. hair. So it's like all the avatars just have normal, you know, okay. hair. They're not doing... And then in the sequel, and then the sequel, <laughs> they're like, "Let's go, Dreads." Go dreads. <laughs> because yes. Spider, him and Spider, bad. yeah, it's no, not it good, is not good. Hate it, hate really it, bad. Yeah, someone should could just cut that kid's hair. Like, someone needs to take care of that child. Yeah, <laughs> put put some clothes on him. Put some like that kid needs protection. <laughs> Here's
1: the thing: so much could have been solved with if if this kid wasn't a kid anymore. You know what I mean? Like if he was, cause I think the problem is like him and the Sigourney Weaver character, they're supposed to be like 13 or 14 years old, you know?
0: Yeah, so they're yeah, still very looks-
1: young. <laughs> and if they had been, if that kid had been a 17 year old or a 20 year old you know i wouldn't mm-hmm. be as stressed about him and his well-being mm-hmm. i would be like yeah you know, take care of yourself but because it's a kid and i'm like oh, do you have parents <laughs> like who's loving you
0: oh my gosh i i i do have some weird like uh parents and film uh yeah. anxiety about like like we don't have to get into this too much but i watched um the fablemans
1: oh yeah me too
0: recently and I I just can't interact with that movie. I think the same way other people do because the whole time I'm just like, but your parents, you have to just act yeah. like parents. Please just parent these children. Like these parents, these kids are going to go through so much there, and I get it. It's Steven Spielberg, right. so it's fine. But like, just like, <laughs> I know you're going through stuff, but also like,
1: I felt that way. Deal with these deal with these kids <laughs> a lot. I'm like, who's watching yeah, yeah. these kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, why do <laughs> these kids have no supervision ever? <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah. Um. I'm trying to think if there are other major plot points that like I was like couldn't wait to talk about.
0: I mean, for, for me, I do want to talk about the whale sequence. Oh, like yeah. the whale the whale's the best part yeah. of this movie. I did have an issue with all of a sudden he could talk to the whale. like this wasn't set up. nobody talked about the fact that you could communicate with it. like they did yes. later once all the whales show up and everybody's talking right. to their whales. but when he just shows up and the whale gets subtitles, <laughs> I was like, what? What's happening? <laughs> Why? What? Yeah. <laughs> so that that freaked me out a little bit. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was baffling as well. Um the, the cool whales like
0: Cool whales. Just yeah, really really cool design uh amazing shots of like the whales and like that for me was like the big cinematic moment of like we're not doing really a lot of story here yeah. we're just like it's all vibes hanging <laughs> with the whale and I was like this is cool I like this this is beautiful I mean
1: and this the sequence of the whale hunting it was like yes. harrowing I mean yes. just like brutal and then the yeah. sequence of the whale destroying that ship it was mm-hmm. incredible. Incredible.
0: Yeah yeah, yeah. That, basically, the whole, from when the the ship shows up at the whale to the end of the movie, I was like, this is amazing filmmaking. Like, this is just incredible. I love everything about this. It's like we're getting Titanic again once the ship starts going down and people are in it, and you're just like, all right, all right, here we go. I like this. I like this a lot. Um, Even, like, once the kid dies and Zoe's, uh, Zoe's Altana needs an Oscar for something at some point, people do not let her... Just go all out. And I think the first Avatar, she, like, re-watching that was incredible to see her. I was like, she is the best part yeah. of this movie by a long shot. She's committed fully. And I think she does it again here. She fully commits, goes all in. And her rage and, like, out of control, yeah. <laughs> uh, just brutality. Like, when Spider hides from her yeah. <laughs> movie, I was like... Yeah, I yeah. mean, I get it. Like, I know she's like kind of your surrogate mom that you've been hanging out with forever, but she is a different person right now than you're yeah. used to. <laughs> so I was like, this is, this is incredible. Say, I, I could love have it. I
1: used a lot more Zoe's hold on in this movie.
0: So much more. So much more. Jake, I, part of me thought that they were just going to kill Jake Sully at the beginning oh, of I, this movie. And I, I was like. I
1: at the I, end I, when he was like, I can't go on, go on without me.
0: Oh, at the, yeah, at the I end too. Like,
1: yes, let's do this. Let's do get this. him gone. Do this. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want a movie that's just Zoe yeah. and the kids like that's <laughs> he's, yeah I don't no. like him so um but yeah I don't know how much more I don't feel like I feel like it It ended the movie it's not like a like a cliffhanger for the next sure. movie but I feel like there is so much more of storytelling that needs to be completed in a future movie um that I can't really I can't really critique it in this movie because it, I'm sure it's set up so
1: um the last detail that i'm remembering that we have to discuss is that shot of edie falco using the robot to drink coffee
0: to drink coffee (laughs) yes
1: an incredible Um, choice
0: that is those are the kinds of things that it's just like this is so stupid and yet and not cool and yet very much works for right (laughs) so um
1: yeah you're like you said earlier all those dumb marines the so So,
0: did they did they my question is did they wake up and then get their tattoos again like they're all tatted up (laughs) it's just like what what what, what's what's the psychology to this
1: i do enjoy the visual of like these avatars wearing clothes you know what i mean
0: I think they look so much uh, better to me in clothes than not in clothes. (laughs) But I I
1: like the idea of like real Navi dressing like this and then these avatars like in these wild bodies like wearing human clothes is very funny to me.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm just picturing them having to like make yeah. those clothes like you can't order well, any of this stuff like image to... of
1: sigourney weaver and that stanford with a stanford shirt sure. yeah yeah
0: it's like this isn't a stanford tank top that you yes. got at stanford <laughs> like this doesn't fit on enough of your body yes. like <laughs> what, what is happening know.
1: <laughs> um yeah just seeing them in those tank i guess it's just a tank tops really <laughs> that, it's that top. really yeah, get yeah. Me. Yeah.
0: it's like what yeah um it's weird it's really yeah. weird
1: Also, it's funny to see them like buzz cut, but they got to keep the long braid. I know. (laughs) But Uh.
0: also in the first movie, uh, I realized they don't have uh, they don't have sex connect to their braid situation. That's I feel like that's something that gets talked about a lot is Zoe Saldana. There's not like a scene um, where they do it. There's not a scene where they do that. Yeah. Yeah. In my in my head, they do that in in the movie and they don't. They connect to horses and, you know, the flying things or whatever, the banshees, uh, but not to each other. So.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe in the third movie, we'll finally get the hot sex avatar sex (laughs) scenes.
0: Just the most uncomfortable. The avatar's kissing is the most uncomfortable Mm, thing for me to watch. It's just like, (laughs) this feels so unnatural and really Um, like uncanny valley. So. I'm
1: curious if the Sigourney Weaver daughter and the spider character are gonna have some sort of love story
0: i think they will and it's <laughs> i did i again again i'm very uncomfortable it's with so, all of the sexual aspects of this it, of these movies to have just,
1: sigourney ugh, how old is sigourney weaver i don't
0: i don't like it 70 something at least yeah yeah
1: to having a love yeah. story as a teenager is so it's bizarre yeah um yeah yeah I I'm not again her portrayal sometimes really worked for me um not always
0: I think it's I think it's good I think it's emotional I think she's doing a great job but at no point do I ever believe that she's a
1: child
0: (laughs) it's just it's a good performance um and I I mean she did the motion capture for it too so I I think like physically she actually gives a great performance and like kind of feels like a kid like a little gangly like like all of that stuff I think works really well it's just the voice yeah. never sounds like she's seventy three. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh.
1: Here's my oh, other man. question. Last, this is probably my last question.
0: Yeah.
1: How do we know how many they've already filmed? Because he says there's like five movies. Yes.
0: Yeah. So in his head, he's like, we got five, and he's like, I've got a back burner, two more. So possibly seven in the works, but like planned, written, I have five because I have filmed two and three. Two and three are in the can. They have shot some stuff for four, uh-huh. but they kind of took a break and were like, "Let's see how two does before we continue on to four and My five. My thing
1: is, like, I'm not saying that Sigourney Weaver is gonna like die anytime soon. You know what I mean? But she's yeah. like in her seventies. Like, how much can she? How long can she do this motion capture? And then also yeah. Stephen Lang, who plays the villain. I know. <laughs> he's how old is he, he he's is seventy, he's in 70 years, years old. Right? but he looks older than Sigourney Weaver. Let me tell you that. (laughs) That is true. And, you know, what is the fitness level of these people, these elders? (laughs) Yeah. To be able to not only do this motion capture work for an action movie, but theoretically all this is underwater. Like, that is Mm -hmm. so much work. (laughs) (laughs) I just am stressed. I get stressed when people have these, like, long franchises and these, like, older actors that yeah. are committed to major roles you know
0: yeah yeah my assumption is that like the third one will end the adults storyline yeah. for the most part and hopefully like four and five or more That's about the kids point. but again like you said sigourney weaver is the child so yeah we'll see <laughs> so
1: um okay yeah. well i'm really glad that we saw this and that we could be a part of the convers the avatar conversation Me too.
0: do you think you'll watch it again no yeah I think I will probably watch it before the third one comes out. I mean, maybe it, <laughs> um, y- yeah, yeah, but like I'm not planning on watching this again no, anytime no, no, soon no. at all. But and here's yeah.
1: here's my thing: if I had friends that really wanted to go see it in a theater, I would go see it with them. But I'm not trying yeah. to do that. And yeah. when the third one comes out, I could see myself like yeah, doing a little marathon. Um, but this yeah. isn't a movie I'm like ready to revisit. No,
0: definitely yeah. not. So, <laughs> um,
1: but I, but I'm glad I saw it, and I can't wait for the next one. Yeah,
0: it um, is that weird thing of like I don't think this was a good movie. I enjoyed it, and I'm excited yes, for the next I, that one. It rarely so happens. It almost never yeah. happens. <laughs> so, oh. Oh,
1: well, I, I'm glad we saw this movie. Um, Lucas, can you tell people where they can find you on the internet?
0: Yes, um, please follow me on Letterbox um, at Lucas and stuff. This is where uh, I'm almost doing i'm doing basically nothing anywhere yeah. else that's at this a point. great place so. to
1: follow both of us um you can yeah. follow me on every social media platform yeah. at sandra omsteads my last name is spelled a-m-s-t-u-t-z thanks for listening bye thank you bye now. Goodbye. goodbye i'll see you soon okay that's it go home yeah moving along padre goodbye old friend that's it that's our show for tonight people.